If you all wouldn't mind standing for this morning's scripture reading for the sermon text. Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 13. The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And lead us not into temptation. And he said to them, which of you has a friend who has a friend, will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything because he's his friend, yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. There's a story by Leo Tolstoy about a land prospector who met a group of people with more land than they knew what to do with. And they made him an offer that for a low price, he can walk across or run across as much land as he can in a day. As much land as he can cover will be his, with one exception. He has to get back to the starting point before the sun sets. And so um, he's like, great, this land prospector, best news of my life. For cheap, I can have all this land. So he starts running, he goes off, and throughout the day, he's watching the sun. Um, I can get a little bit more land, I can get a little bit more man, land, a, a few more miles, a few more miles, and then, you know, pretty soon he sees the sun low in the sky, and he says, oh my goodness, I better get back before, before I lose it all, because that's the deal. If he doesn't get back, he doesn't get anything. So he starts sprinting and sprinting, and just as the, the last little flicker of sun is going down over the horizon, he sprints back to the starting point, and, and actually the villagers are cheering for him in the story, like applauding him, like, you're gonna do it, you're gonna, you're gonna do it, they're happy for him. And then as he crossed the line, um, he actually dies of exhaustion. And um, the name of the story is, how much land does a man need? And you know, in the end, he gets six feet, which is the amount of space for his grave. And I actually thought of that story in relationship to this passage that we just read. And here's why. Today's scripture reading from Luke 11 makes huge, sky is the limit, far as you can run types of promises. Like, 
Ask and you will receive. And everyone who asks receives. Like it's repetitive about this giant promise. And so if you're me, you, you read all that and you're like, really? Okay, ask and I'll receive. Ask anything? You know, on the one hand, I think a lot of us are aware that there's a little of that greedy prospector in us. There's a little bit of that like, is it actually good for me to just ask for anything? You know, it could, my wildest dreams, some of which are maybe a little bit unhealthy, should I really just ask for anything? But on the other hand, because we're skeptical about it, we actually don't claim the promise that really is there here. So here's what I want to say to you. There are really bold promises, real and really bold promises in this passage that we should claim. But there are right and wrong ways to claim the promises in this passage. If you missed this last week, uh, this is the second in a five-week series on prayer. And as we look at different principles on prayer, we're going to carry with us you know, what we talked about the week before. So last week we talked about Bartimaeus crying out to God for mercy. Son of David, have mercy on us. Son of David, have mercy on us. He knows that nothing is owed to him by Jesus. But like a child, he knows that there's a good Lord that can give him what he needs. Mercy is the principle. Crying out like a child who has nothing to offer but needs to simply receive. Everything in prayer depends on getting this posture right. So we're going to carry that with us. Praying like a child. And today's passage is more, uh, says more about childlikeness in prayer, but it builds on that idea from last week. Here in Luke 11, 1 through 13, Jesus teaches he teaches us to pray rightly and boldly as children, and you actually need both. So it comes in that order in the passage, which is in your bulletin on page three. If you want to refer back to it, I'll be referring back to it a lot. First asking rightly, and then asking boldly, but never losing that sense that we ask as a child. So um, first, verse one it says, Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. So if the disciples are saying, Lord, teach us, in other words, we should read them saying, Jesus, what's the right way to pray? Show us how you do it. Implied in this request is, is the idea that it's possible to pray wrongly. Like, we need to learn more about how to pray. So could you teach us how, how you do it? And let me just say before going any further, this is, this is a series in which the leaders of the church want to help you and ourselves pray more, not less. And I think for some of us, when you find out that you can pray wrongly, it makes you just want to clam up and say, oh my goodness, if you can pray wrongly, then I don't want to open my mouth or heart in prayer until I know that I'm actually praying things that are precisely correct before the living God. And that's actually the wrong response. You can pray wrongly, but actually you should err on the side of asking. And here's what I mean. At the very end of this passage, Jesus gives uh, like a little example. It says, let's say uh, some of you out there are parents. If your kid comes to you and says, hey, 
you know, mom, dad, can I, have, can I have a little bit of fish? You're not going to give them a serpent that's going to bite them and kill them. If, if you have a child that comes to you and you're a mom or a dad and your kid says, can I have an egg, please, to eat? You're not going to give them a scorpion. Just flip that for a second. Um, what if your kid actually came and asked for a scorpion? I don't know if this is going to be shocking to any of you, but kids ask for really dumb things. Really, I, keep, I kept hearing this line from Home Alone 2, um, because my son's now exactly the age of like Macaulay Culkin in that movie, Lost in New York, Home Alone 2, and there's a scene where he's got all this cash, like more than he knows what to do with, and he gives it away to this lady, and she's like, are you sure you don't need it? And he's like, I would just spend that on stuff that would rot my teeth and my mind. And I said, that's exactly what my son would do. He would spend it on stuff that would rot his teeth and his mind. And we ask for stuff that is terrible for us all the time, or we would, but what does a good parent do? He gives you the right thing. You'll totally ask for bad stuff. But if he's a good father, he'll give you the good and nourishing thing in place of it. You don't lose the childlikeness. And, and before I say anything about praying wrongly, don't clam up. Don't just say, I'm not going to pray if I'm going to get it wrong. That's actually the wrong instincts. But as we walk with him and learn of him and find out how he does respond, we will learn his heart and increasingly pray rightly. Does that make sense? Are you with me on that? Okay. So, teach us to pray. Before we look at the words of the Lord's Prayer as they're given in Luke, which are slightly different than the words of the Gospel of Matthew, which we prayed already today and we looked at in close detail last year when we were in the Sermon on the Mount, um, I want to give you some context in the Gospel of Luke. And it comes right out of the confession text that Sarah read for us this morning. Um, this passage starts uh, Luke 11, verse 1. The five verses right before this passage we read during confession. And it was the story of Jesus and his disciples spending some time with a family with two sisters named Martha and Mary in a town called Bethany. And Martha's one of the sisters, and she's scrambling around the, the house trying to be a good hostess, taking care of details, and Mary's doing none of that. She's just sitting on her knees listening to Jesus, and he has her rapt attention. And Martha comes over and says, Jesus, could you... Could you get her to do like one thing because I'm killing myself over here? And he says, no, because she's doing the right thing. And he commends her. It's this model picture of devotion. So that's the very end of Luke 10. Then the very beginning of Luke 11, one verse later, it says the disciples see Jesus praying. So they, they see Mary in this communion prayer posture before Jesus, and then they say Jesus, the Son of God, praying to God the Father. So there are these two moments of like this rapt attention, relational, communing prayers. And in that context, they say, could you teach us some of that? We've seen it with Mary. We've seen it with you. How do we do that? And in response, Jesus teaches them to pray rightly. Here's the point before we dive in. It's very important. The Lord's Prayer is entirely made up of requests that we be kept near to God. Note, it is not made up of requests that our wildest dreams would be fulfilled. They are made up of requests, the prayer is made up of requests 
that we would have what we need in order to stay very close to our God. I don't know if you've ever thought of the Lord's Prayer that way, but here's what I mean. Let's dive in in verse 2. I'm going to go over it very briefly. Father, hallowed be your name. That doesn't mean like may your name be more holy because God can't become more holy. It means may the world recognize you for, his, for your holiness. May all creation worship and commune with you. Father, that's how the prayer starts. May everyone be near you in worship. Your kingdom come. May everything you love and desire be here, on heaven as it is on earth, as Matthew puts it. Rule everything completely and we'll love it. Thirdly, give us each day our daily bread. In other words, provide every spiritual and material need that we have. But get this, daily bread. Give it to us in such a way that we hold on to the, what I call the manna principle. I mean, you talked about daily bread in Jesus' day. All the Jews around him, their minds would have immediately gone to the idea of manna. Do you remember manna? The daily bread that the Israelites got in the wilderness. And how did they get it? One day at a time. If you took too much for the next day, what would happen? It would rot. The principle is reliance. I will not ask of you something that makes me not need you anymore. This was a big part of Israel's training. Give me the bread that will keep me near you. Literally and spiritually. Forgive us our sins. Forgive our sins. What does that mean? Clear away the sins that keep us from you. The sins that separate us, clear it away. Again, the nearness, communion principle. And we forgive others as they sin against us because we know, we experience that you cannot have health when you fail to forgive someone else. It, 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 it sticks with you. It's, it punishes you voluntarily by failing to forgive someone else. So it's something like the prayer of help us share in the health that you have by releasing people. Keep me near you. And finally, lead us not into temptation. And what does that mean? But dear God, help us not fall away from you. Communion is the point of every petition because it's the point of your existence. Really, to answer the question of that story, how much does a man need? You have to answer, well, what is a person for? Then you can find out what they need to be what they're for, to live that out. We are for communion with God. And this is the heart of asking rightly. And it will help you make sense of what he is doing in your life. How he answers your prayers in surprising ways. This is asking rightly. Secondly, asking boldly. So it's in, we need to hold on to this. It's in the context of this communion prayer. This prayer that we would always be near God. That Jesus says those, those crazy vast promises. Ask and you will receive. Verse five through eight, we get a funny little parable. I, I think it's a little bit of a difficult story to relate to in a culture with Uber Eats and DoorDash 
and stuff like that. It, it's a parable of a guy who has a friend who comes in from out of town, middle of the night, they have no food, and in that culture it's a big deal. It's not like you can go to a corner store. They're famished, we can presume. And he goes to his neighbor, middle of the night, they actually probably slept something like sunset to sunrise. So midnight is actually in the middle of the night, not like some of us who go to bed at 11.30. It's the middle of the night, everybody's asleep in the house, one room homes, everybody's gonna be woken up in the house, including the baby, when this neighbor comes knocking on the door and says, I need you to give me three loaves of bread. This is the parable. And Jesus says, you know, the guy gets up and he gives his friend what he needs, not because they're friends, and it actually reinforces the idea that they're friends because the word friend is repeated four times in the parable. But Jesus says it's not because of love or friendship that this guy's gonna get up and give the bread away. It's because the guy was so insistent and obnoxious in slamming on the door in the middle of the night. He's just gonna give it to him so he goes away. What, what does that parable mean? What does this teach us about praying to God? Is God like somebody who we have to manipulate into waking up at the middle of the night actually? This is, how we understand this parable is it's, it's one of these I like to call how much more parables of Jesus. So in other words, Jesus is saying, if sinful people like you and me begrudgingly give stuff to our friends, people we love and we're annoyed and just give it to them just so they'll leave us alone, if you can get what you want from a grumpy neighbor who loves you in the middle of the night, how much more? Can you get what you need from God who doesn't ever go to sleep and is always ready to bless you? How much more is God not like that? I think, I think the easiest way to understand what Jesus is getting at here is kids barging into a parent's room in the middle of the night. Now, when my kids do that, they usually get something from me even if I'm pretty grumpy and annoyed. But let me tell you, there's no one else in the world who can do that. Actually, if someone else barges into my room in the middle of the night, it's, a, it's weird. Like, I mean, if, if, if it's a stranger or a neighbor, something, something you know, drastic is about to go down afterwards. But my daughter, my three-year-old, will come in just to say, Dad, there's a bug in my room, and I've been asleep for four hours. And when God's gracious to me, I'm patient with her and I'm evil, how much more is God ready to give you what you need at any moment? It all comes down to verse 13, that last verse. Look at it. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? It all comes back to that communion relationship. If you're familiar with Matthew's version, in Matthew 7 of this parable, um, Matthew's version says good things. How much more will the Heavenly Father give good things to those who ask him? In Luke, Luke kind of goes from the general good things to the specific and says Holy Spirit. He gives the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. The, the Holy Spirit is like the gift of all gifts the promised seal of eternal communion with God that's secured for us by the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, where our sins are, are forgiven so that the Holy Spirit can enter in. Here's how Tim Keller kind of summed up those last few points of these verses. He writes this, 
how can God the Father shower blessings down on sinful people like us who deserve judgment, not blessing? How can he do this? The answer is that Jesus, the true Son of God, got the scorpion and the snake. He went to the cross so that we could have food at the Father's table. Jesus received the sting and venom of death in our place so that we could receive the blessing of welcomed children. Here's the point, folks. It all comes down to this. And if you don't hear anything else, there has never been a parent on earth who wants joy for his or her children as much as your Father in heaven wants joy for you. You are his child. There has never been a human father who wanted to answer his child's petitions as much as God wants to answer yours. So why don't we ask? Why does it take so long for those burdens for those lumps in your throat, for those stressful experiences that you carry with you for years sometimes. Why does it take so long for that to get turned into prayer? And with that, to help you ask that question a little bit more personally, I'm going to invite up Carol Davis to give a final meditation and charge before we come to the table. Well, as we were reminded by John, or maybe learned for the first time, the heart. As we were reminded for, uh, or learned for the first time about the heart of the Lord's prayer for us, what we saw, which is so beautiful, isn't it? That every petition that Jesus lays out for us is an invitation by our Heavenly Father to partake in fellowship, to partake in this loving relationship with Him. And you know what? Jesus was living on earth, and He knew exactly the things that were going to be barriers to us for that continued um, fellowship. He knew what we were going to struggle with. He lived it. And so, the Lord's Prayer can become our just loving response back to the one who has loved us so much. And you know what? He's also the one that knows us better than we know ourselves. And you know what? One of the things that he knows about us, he knows that we forget. He knows that we're a forgetful people. And that's why the scripture is filled with remember, remember, remember. And so that's what we're going to do right now in the quiet. I'm going to ask you to remember his great love for you. Rehearse that by rehearsing just a little bit of your own specific story, one or two instances. You know, it might be how he saved you. It might be a big answer to prayer 
or a small answer to prayer. It might be a provision, a special gift, an unexpected thing that you didn't need, but he just showered upon you. Now, what, you, what I want you to do in the quiet is ask the Lord to help you remember that and then savor that memory. But more important, savor that great love that he has for you. And after a minute or two, I'll call, call us out of the quiet, okay? Amen. I hope you're continuing to savor, but we want to move on to a second point. And the point is ask. He wants us to ask because he loves us so much. So in the second moment of quiet, I want you to bring whatever your need is. And for some of you, it might be the very need is you don't know the father's love or the son's saving power. So you may need to ask for that in the quiet. Or else you might be needing to ask for some very specific needs. You might need wisdom for a decision you're making. You might need wisdom for how to parent your children well. You need power to forgive. You need healing in your marriage or other relationships. Maybe you're dying to share your faith with someone but are terrified to do it. Ask for the faith to do that and the boldness. He wants us to be bold. He wants us to pray for our deep longings, but also for our very practical everyday needs. So we're gonna go into the quiet in a minute, in a minute, and then I'll call us out of that. And then we do have one more invitation to you. And that invitation is to come up here and pray with us during communion, if you're coming to communion. Or those that aren't coming to community just can come on down the right, the right side aisle here and somebody will be there to pray with you. It says whenever two or more are gathered in our midst and bring those prayers before the Father, that's a powerful way to bring your prayer need to, to God. So please come and do that. But let's go into the quiet now for a minute with that need and I will pray and um, close us in the end.
hear our prayer now. In the name of our beloved Savior, we pray. Amen.